Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Today we're talking with Missouri State Auditor Nicole Galloway. She and her staff are responsible for ensuring the proper and efficient use of public funds. She was appointed by then-Governor Nixon following the death of Tom Schweik. She is running for the office in the August primary, and I'm happy to welcome Nicole Galloway to our St. Louis studio. Thank you so much for being with us. Yes, thank you. You know, I'm going to start with a very basic question because I'm not sure that all our listeners fully understand or appreciate the scope of uh, your office and all of the things that you do. I mentioned ensuring that everything is done uh, properly. What else does the auditor's office do? The auditor acts as an independent watchdog, rooting out waste, fraud, abuse, and mismanagement of taxpayer dollars and how government guards the public trust. We audit all levels of government, from local governments like school districts, municipal courts, cities, counties, all the way up to large state agencies like Department of Revenue and even other elected officials. Again, uh, looking at how they effectively manage their resources, which are your taxpayer dollars. Mm -hmm. Who and, and, and how decides whom to audit? So when I describe this, I kind of break this into uh, three groups. Uh, The first group are audits that we're required to do under statute or by law. Um, So that might be the statewide financial statements, all the federal money that Mm -hmm. comes in through the state, uh, um, the Department of Conservation, things like that. Uh, So those are mandated. Uh, The other third are um, when there's a petition or some sort of external force that asks me to come in and do an audit. So there might be a petition of citizens that have signed their name uh, to a petition requesting my office to come in and do an audit. Sometimes we also get requests from local governments to come in and do an audit. Uh, We need that type of authority under the law to be able to conduct that work. Um, And then the third are audits that are discretionary. And we're allowed to do those under the law, but uh, there's no certain time frame in which to do those. Um, In that area, I've focused a lot on public corruption corruption on uh, areas of the budget and cybersecurity. Um, in a nutshell, those are kind of the three focuses of my discretionary resources that I have. Do you? Does your office make recommendations following these audits, or is that left to somebody else? Absolutely. So just to think about the audit process uh, in general, um, you know, we, we announce an audit, we request input, input from citizens and taxpayers uh, in regards to the audit, um, and we plan out the scope and the timing. Uh, then we conduct the audit, which is conducting interviews, getting uh, documentation, um, doing a lot of detailed audit work. Um, and then we write a draft report, and that draft report has findings and recommendations. Um, You know, it's my job to shine a light on issues, but then also provide a recommendation as a path forward to fix it on behalf of citizens. The uh, entity then has 30 days under the law to uh, review the report and then respond to it. Um, And those responses are included in the audit report, which I think is a very important point because it uh, can really um, allow taxpayers to kind of peek behind the curtains and Mm -hmm. see what's going on and how the government is going to respond to the findings. And then after that, it becomes a public report, and it's it's public information and, and a way to move forward. Is there any potential for a, a player out there to request an audit to politically embarrass a jurisdiction or a politician? 
There are a certain number of signatures that are needed in order to conduct an audit, um, and I think it protects against that. Additionally, when citizens sign a petition, um, the the entity pays for the audit under the law. Um, And so if a citizen is signing their name, um, you know, they're invested in the process as well, not only uh, engaging my office to hold their local government uh, accountable, um, but the entity pays for the audit under the law. So I think um, those barriers help protect against, um, you know, a situation which you referenced. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's ever happened, however. Yeah. Uh, You know, I mean, it is a tool that someone with uh, that kind of motive could could use, I suppose, under certain circumstances. I guess they could, but that's a pretty high threshold, Um, you know, because you're gathering signatures. Sometimes there's thousands of signatures that are needed. And so um, that's a very high threshold. You know, when I view... um, my audit, it, my audits are independent, right? I'm an independent watchdog. I audit Democrats and Republicans alike. I am tough and I am thorough because that's what people want out of this office. That's what they want out of an independent watchdog, somebody standing on their side. Um, and so, you know, like, for instance, with the city of St. Louis audit, it started as a petition. Uh, petitioners were gathering signatures and they needed uh, thousands of signatures. They were well on their way. And the alderman in St. Louis uh, kind of took over that process and requested my office to do an audit. Um, it is now in my hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're going to be tough, we're going to be thorough, and we're going to do our job. Well, that's, I don't want to press this point too, too much, but that's kind of what I was getting at. I'm not suggesting this happened in the city. But if the aldermen, for instance, were angry at the mayor, and let's just take a hypothetical city X, uh, and they called you, and that could, that could be an attempt to discredit uh, a, a jurisdiction or a politician. You know, we'd go where the facts lead us. Yeah. You know, we don't um, presume to know what the facts are. It's our job to get to the bottom of issues on behalf of taxpayers. And so, you know, maybe someone out there does have that type of um, idea. But once we get in there, you know, we're looking at the facts, we're looking at documentation, we're conducting interviews, we do our audits in accordance with um, yellow book standards or government Mm -hmm. auditing standards. And so, um, and we have a quality review process. So, you know, our audits have integrity because of the process that we go through. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little bit cynical when it comes to uh, the political world, today's political world in particular. I think most people join you yeah. uh, in those feelings. How, how is it going with the city? Give me some sense of what that process is. So um, as I mentioned, it started with a petition, mm-hmm. a petition of citizens that wanted an audit of the city of St. Louis. And um, then the alderman took it over, passed a resolution, mm-hmm. and I accepted that invitation. Uh, right I still view this as a citizen audit, even though it was requested by the alderman. Uh, I have met with the Audit St. Louis group, the group of petitioners that started this. I've met with several alderwomen and aldermen, other elected officials, interested citizens to get input on what people would like to see of this audit and um, what their concerns are. And we take those concerns and we try to address those through the audit. You know, again, sometimes we'll find something, sometimes we won't. We'll have to see where the facts take us. Um, But I want this to be an a productive process, a productive audit process on behalf of citizens. Um, what are the concerns that you've learned so far from these people? 
You know, I, I, I kind of – I think broadly I would put them into two groups. Um, one, I think there's a lot of concern about the financial situation within the city um, and how money is coming in and where it's going. Uh, it's no secret that the city is financially strained and are – you know, looking for and needing resources to provide services to their citizens. And so a lot of the concerns expressed are, are surrounded financial, around financial um, uh, issues. I think the other uh, portion of this, and this kind of goes to the heart of why people request a petition in the first place, um, is because it's a way for citizens to engage to hold their local government and their public officials accountable. Mm-hmm. And when people don't understand how or why decisions are made that impact them, um, you know, they are just not really sure what's going on. And it starts to lead to some doubt or, or questions in their mind. Um, they get concerned about transparency and just general accountability. And I think that would be the, the second kind of bucket I would put those concerns in. Is there any uh, a different kind of approach uh, to what you do given a, a recommendation from like a board of aldermen or from a citizens group and petition? Uh, no, I mean, I think we, we treat those all um, equally because a concern yeah. is a concern. And, um, you know, we have a whistleblower hotline that um, people can reach out to us sometimes uh, if they want to anonymously. Um, and it's utilized across the state from citizens, sometimes from public employees, sometimes from other elected officials mm-hmm. that want to provide input and their concerns um, in a way that they won't face retribution and that we can address those through the audit process. Um, And so, you know, we are auditing every city office, every Mm -hmm. city department. Um, When we did this back in 2010, it took about two years and 26 Mm -hmm. audit reports. I expect it will take uh, the same amount of time. And so there'll be uh, uh, many opportunities for citizens to provide input into this process. You know, we hear a lot of complaints, and I'm sure you've heard them as well, about the use of tips tax increment financing, and the city does it a lot, as, as many jurisdictions do. Is this something that you would look at and try to determine if it's overused, if uh, they were giving away the store in a place like St. Louis through TIFs? So um, I have heard concerns about TIFs and taxing districts in mm-hmm. general. And uh, I'll make two points there. On TIFs, which is tax increment financing, uh, we are going to look at the administration of those TIFs. And, um, you know, part of that is looking at the financial impact of some of those TIFs on the city budget in general and how those costs are tracked and um, maybe how the return on investment for some of those uh, dollars are, are tracked. But more broadly, I have looked at special taxing districts like transportation development districts, and which are TDDs, CIDs, community improvement districts, and have looked at those issues across the state um, and will continue to do so. Um, and so citizens have um, have mentioned TIFs. They've mentioned special taxing districts and, mm-hmm. and uh, some of their concerns there as well. How many people do you have to t- to help you do all of this? <laughs> <laughs> well, it will take, it is a big undertaking. I mean, yeah. I, I've been upfront about that. Um, I've been upfront that it's going to take um, several years to complete this and many, many audit reports. Um, I am fortunate to have a very professional staff who are dedicated public service servants um, who are passionate about this. And um, some of the folks in our office 
that worked on the audit in 2010, they will be working on this audit as well. Mm -hmm. So they have some familiarity with uh, the city of St. Louis. We'll also have new staff that will join um, or that have uh, joined over time and will be part of this. And I think that's important because while some things are the same from 2010, Mm -hmm. many things have changed. And so we'll be able to take a fresh look at uh, city operations. Well, you're up for uh, election. You have a primary in August, obviously. And and if you win the primary, what happens? I hate to even mention this possibly. What happens if you lose the election? Does the momentum uh, stay the same? So I, I um, at this time, I do not have a, a primary. Um, mm. And so uh, um, um, at, at least at this so time. You're, so you're, you're the candidate in November as of this moment. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, and so, you know, my my approach um, is to seek citizen input all along the way um, and to do this pro- this audit in a fair and thorough uh, way. Um, my hope is that um, I will be able to continue to do this. It's something that I am extremely passionate about and want to, want to complete uh, for citizens. Um, if, unfortunately, that would not be the case, my hope is that um, – this work would continue. I think it's incredibly important. I think there's a lot of uh, concerns that are very valid uh, that citizens and others have brought forward that um, people expect answers um, for, and it's the auditor's job to do that on behalf of taxpayers. But if someone else came in, uh, they could stop it. Um, I guess uh, hypothetically, potentially, uh, potentially, but I think I mean, honestly, I think that that may be difficult, but, you know, it's it's very difficult to talk about what a hypothetical sure. person may or may not do a year from now. We, we don't <laughs> want to get ahead of ourselves anyway. Just curious as to how this system works. We're talking with Missouri State Auditor Nicole Galloway. We'll continue our conversation in a moment. If you'd like to be a part of it, perhaps uh, you have questions about the State Auditor's Office and about the job that uh, Ms. Galloway does, give us a call at 382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Send us an email to talk at STL Public Radio. Radio.org, or if you would prefer to send a tweet, do so at STL on air. This is St. Louis on the air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. And welcome back as we continue our conversation with Missouri State Auditor Nicole Galloway. What's your relationship like with the governor these days? I know that you're taking a look at some of uh, some of uh, his communications uh, problems. Uh, you know, it's my role as auditor to audit all levels of government. And, um, you know, I audit not just um, his state agencies, but, um, uh, you know, the performance of the state as a whole. And, uh, for instance, we did an audit of uh, tax refunds and why tax refunds have been increasingly delayed over the last several years uh, and several administrations and found that it had gotten worse in 2017. And, um, you know, I was met ro- with roadblock after roadblock um, in conducting this audit. And From the governor's office. That's right. And um, had to make a difficult decision to issue a subpoena just to get basic records to do our job. Uh, but we did uncover 
why tax refunds were late. I mean, thousands and thousands of citizens called my office because they to my whistleblower hotline because they could not get answers out of Department of Revenue, um, and, and they deserve those. What's the mood like in Jefferson City these days with all that's going on and the investigations and all the rest of it? Um, you know, I, I think um, the mood is... Um, you know, I think there's a lot of uncertainty right now on uh, where this is, you know, what's going to happen. Um, you know, I look at this uh, from a different perspective uh, as auditor because, um, you know, I know that how we are perceived nationally yeah. and internationally matters to people um, in their communities. It matters for business development. It matters for job creation and employers bring jobs here. And so my concern um, really lies with how this impacts Missouri and how, as Missouri, we decide we want to move forward from this. A lot to play out yet. This mm-hmm. We're only at the early stages of this particular situation. Let's go to the phones. We have some folks who want to talk to Nicole Galloway, so let's have David on the line. Come on in and just do that. Go ahead, David. I'd like to congratulate this auditor for her job performance in office. Uh, a couple of years ago, she conducted a survey among governmental, uh, local government entities regarding their compliance with our Sunshine Law Act. Uh, I had seen for years uh, indifference to uh, responses by local governments to requests for vital information that citizens need to make informed decisions and to come up with uh, suggestions for government improvement. Uh, I thought what she did was extremely imaginative and a vigorous uh, attempt to con- compel compliance with that law. I don't know what, ha- if there was, if what was done since then, but she tabulated the responses and came up with a, um, <laughs> it was rather a dismal record by local government in the compliance with that law, but I wanted to thank her for that and keep up the good work. Well, thank you so much, David. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't really even know what the Sunshine Law is. Mm -hmm. And the Sunshine Law in Missouri is a law that requires governments to act transparently, Mm -hmm. to take meeting minutes, to provide public records and information in a timely way. Um, And uh, it really provides a window into how government decisions are made that impact people, um, uh, whether it be school districts or cities or counties. And uh, we did, we we audit the compliance with the Sunshine Law in every audit that we do. Um, And we'll do so in the city of St. Louis as well. Um, When we took a statewide view and did a statewide kind of test of the compliance with the Sunshine Law, we unfortunately found a dismal compliance rate. Um, From our request, I I believe about uh, 30% of governments, local governments, complied with our kind of sunshine law test. And so by shining a light on these issues, I know a lot of local governments uh, understand that they're going to be held accountable to that from my office and have gone to great lengths to improve their their compliance, which I think is great. That's what we want at the end of the day is improvements because of the audits we do. Let's take another call. Linda in Crestwood wants to get into the conversation. Go ahead, Linda. You're on the air. Hi. Um, I just wanted to thank Ms. Galloway for a, a good job. I got my tax refund in record time this year. 
Oh, well, that is wonderful. That is wonderful. Again, we want to see that from our audits is that, um, uh, you know, that is your money, Linda. And (laughs) when I had people uh, calling my office saying, I need my tax refund to pay rent to, uh, you know, my kid's tuition bill is coming due and their books bill is coming due. I need that money. It's my money. Uh, And so that's great. We're going to audit compliance with it, uh, with uh, audit um, the DOR again, the Department of Revenue again this year to ensure that changes have been made. Linda, you couldn't see it, but uh, your comment got a, a big fist pump <laughs> from the auditor. Well, it, I was I was so surprised. I mailed it on the 11th of March, and I got my check yesterday. That's wonderful. Yeah. I'm, I'm very glad for you. That's your money. You earned it. You pay your taxes on time. The state should get you your money back in a timely way. Now you can well. take us all out to dinner. Linda, thank you for the call. Thank you for a good job. Keep up the good work. Let's talk a little bit about some of your legislative priorities. Uh, you, you mentioned the whistleblower I- issue. Uh, just let folks know exactly what we're talking about here. Sure. So um, whistleblower – I have operated a whistleblower hotline. Yeah. And when citizens um, uh, or government employees have concerns about government, they can contact us. And uh, they can go online to auditor. Dot mo. Dot gov or uh, reach out by phone, one 800 347-8597. And we incorporate that input into the work that we do. Um, it is incredibly important to protect uh, whistleblowers that contact my office because they have led to – these whistleblower um, input have led to uh, serious audit findings. And, you know, I, one of the things that we're, we are working on in the legislature is a public corruption bill. Now, I'll say because of my audits, um, more than 30 criminal counts have been brought against public officials in the state because of the of our audits. Um, and I think a lot of times citizens think, okay, well, you've done an audit. Now this, you know, this person that stole thousands of dollars, we're going to get that money back and that person's mm-hmm. going to go to jail. It's not that simple. Um, and so we're proposing a, a public corruption bill that would cut through red tape and allow local law enforcement and my office to work together when there's instances of public corruption. And it also allows local prosecutors um, and law enforcement to have additional tools in their toolkit to recapture uh, the money that has potentially been stolen or misused. That's Senate Bill 552, I believe. Is that correct? It, where is that in the process now? That's right. So Senator Bob Dixon out of Springfield, uh, he has been carrying this bill. He actually carried it last year, and it passed uh, and made it to the governor's desk. But because of a Hammerschmidt issue, uh, it was vetoed. And so we're back at it again this year. And I want to say that we have support from local prosecuting attorneys across the state for this bill. Um, and it, right now it's on the calendar for Senate debate. I, I was a little surprised to learn, and maybe I shouldn't have been, that your office was involved in the municipal municipal court reform and the fines and fees issues, which was a big political deal, obviously, and still is in some cases. Absolutely. I mean, we found that uh, municipal courts were charging really hundreds of thousands of dollars Mm. of improper and illegal fees to citizens, fees that are not allowed under the law. Um, And because of our audits, um, we really helped put a stop to that and shine a light on that issue. And it's not an issue just here in St. Louis County, though I think it's it's, – there's been a microscope on St. Louis County. I'm from St. Louis. I grew up here. Mm. My family's here. I understand that. Um, But really, we found this to be a statewide issue. It was the Ferguson thing that uh, that 
brought this to everyone's attention. Absolutely. I think that, yeah. I mean, absolutely that brought it brought it to attention. We um, then uh, did a municipal court initiative where we audited many uh, St. Louis County municipality uh, municipal courts and others across the state and found very similar issues. Who audits the auditor? Yes. So, um, <laughs> oh, you really want to answer this? Yes. Well, because I, I you know, I, I believe in accountability. I am a public mm-hmm. official, and I am held accountable uh, for my actions in, in office as well. Uh, so, there's two different ways. Um, uh, the first, uh, I am audited by a basically a uh, national auditing uh, association uh, of auditors across the country come in and look at how we perform our audits and make sure that they're up to government auditing standards and. Uh, We got the highest rating uh, possible um, from our peer review. It's called a peer review. Um, And so I'm really proud of that because my staff work incredibly hard, again, uh, and and believe in what they do and have dedicated their lives to this. And so I'm just very proud of that. Um, Additionally, uh, we are audited by uh, an external CPA firm uh, hired by the legislature to audit um, the operations of my office as well. And that is currently underway. You obviously want a full term because you're you're running again this year. You know, I, I have to ask because the, the auditor's post in Missouri has been a stepping stone to much higher office. You know, I think of John Ashcroft and Kit Bond and Claire McCaskill all held that job and look where they are now or have been. Do you have politically ambitions along these lines? Yeah, I am focused on this job. Um, and, uh, you know, I do want to be in public service for a long time. I am passionate about what the auditor uh, can do. And I'm a CPA and certified fraud examiner. I did this work in the private sector uh, for years before ever getting into public service. And I want to continue uh, being the state's independent watchdog, standing on behalf of taxpayers, rooting out corruption, um, pointing out abuses, and finding fixes for people that make government work better for them. You're obviously taking a look at uh, the city. We've talked about that. How about St. Louis County? Is that uh, Would that be on your agenda, or you have to wait for somebody to petition it or request it somehow? That's right. So because uh, St. Louis County is a first-class county, um, st- you know, by law, I don't have the authority to come in and just conduct an audit of St. Yeah. Louis County. There would have to be a petition or some other type of request uh, or, or force to allow us in. Uh-huh. Well, we'll end it there, Nicole Galloway. I'm so appreciative of your uh, coming in to visit with us today, and it's nice to meet you. Thank you for being with us. Yes, thank you. That's Nicole Galloway, who is a Missouri State Auditor, talking about the job she has done and is doing. And plans to do if she wins the election. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.